the Reverend Dr. Harvey Kiwiani is a teacher in Christian Mission. And he says, it is not possible to tell the story of the Bible without migration. He says, mission and migration are interlinked. And Christianity has spread over time through the movement of peoples. Christians should therefore not be surprised if God calls us to up sticks and move into new territory in order to advance his kingdom. Christians are a pilgrim people, ready to leave to a new location if that is what God is asking us to do. And you'll appreciate that this feels like a little bit of a live issue for myself and my family as we, uh, as a family, draw closer to the end of my curacy and we look for a new role. But in our passage this evening, we see, and thus it has ever been so for God's people, even if you're 130 years old, just like Joseph's father, Jacob. God had previously told Jacob that I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. But even with this wonderful promise at the back of Jacob's mind, at the age of 130, I don't imagine uh, it was his first preference to uh, move home. In fact, I'd go as far as to suggest that it was only, uh, there was only one thing in the world that would cause Jacob's creaky bones to move from the promised land of Canaan. And that was the possibility of being reunited with his son Joseph. The son he thought was dead, but had now heard was alive. Since Jacob heard the amazing news about Joseph, his previously downcast spirit had been revived. And so traveling on the back of a cart that his son Joseph had provided for him, Jacob was ready to pack up all his belongings, his children, his grandchildren, and travel to the land of Goshen in Egypt for a blessed reunion with his son. So if we've closed our Bibles, can we open them back up again to page 52? And we're going to look at the text under three headings. A blessed reunion, a blessed instruction, and then blessings. Uh, And then hang on, let me turn a few pages and I'll tell you. You should have sheets which tell you. And then blessed provision. Okay, so blessed reunion. Now, the exact location of Goshen is not entirely clear. And in verse 28 of chapter 46, we find even Jacob needs to send his son uh, Judah ahead to ask for directions. But general consensus has it that it's um, in the fertile delta in the northeast side of Egypt. One thing is clear, though, and that is that Jacob must have been experiencing a real roller coaster of emotions at this time, at the thought of being reunited with his son. Likewise for Joseph. Do you remember Joseph's veiled inquiry, loaded with meaning before his brothers, before he'd revealed his identity to them? And um, how is your aged father you told me about? Is he still alive? This was always going to be a highly charged reunion. So when Jacob and his sons arrive in Goshen with their family and livestock, word quickly gets to Joseph and he heads off to meet them. And Joseph sets off to greet his family in style. Rather nonchalantly, the Bible says he had his chariot made ready. 
Now imagine the last time you saw a relative of yours and they were cruising around in a Del Boy style Robin Reliant. And uh, after some time, you then saw them again and they were cruising around in a Rolls Royce. You think, my, how their circumstances have changed, wouldn't you? What a turnaround in fortune. None of this matters to Joseph. None of it really matters to his father, Jacob. When Joseph sees his father, he throws his arms around him. And it simply says that Joseph wept for a long time. With each tear, the reunion gets sweeter. As tears express what words just can't say. It feels a little bit like the story of the prodigal son, but in reverse. And finally, Jacob. But note in verse 30, the Bible calls him Israel as a testament to God's promises being fulfilled. He lets out these words. Now I'm ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are alive. For Jacob, the sight of his son, he presumed dead, now alive, means he's ready to die in peace. Jacob has been reunited with his son. He's seen the promises of God being fulfilled before his very own eyes. His previous misery is forgotten about. His life now feels complete. He feels ready to die in peace. And Jacob's words are very similar to the words of Simeon when Jesus is presented to him in the temple courts in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. For both Simeon and for Jacob, there's something special about seeing God's promised plan of salvation being played out before their eyes. And it leaves them ready to die in peace. In Simeon's case, it was the sight of the child Jesus that's enough to assure him that God is working his purposes out. In Jacob's reunion with Joseph, it's the sight of a son he thought dead, now alive, that resonates resurrection in our ears. When people catch a glimpse of God's salvation plan in Jesus, it transforms their whole outlook on life. And on death. Think of how the Apostle Paul, when he saw the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, did a complete U turn. Having previously been a persecutor of the church, he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Isn't that the essence of the 24 7 prayer video that we watched at the start of the service? To live life knowing that death has no hold on you. And the glory this world offers is not a patch on the world to come and the one that Christians should be striving for. In the late 19th and early 20th century, many of the missionaries who set off for Africa used to pack all their possessions on a ship in a coffin. Because they knew that the reality was that malaria or typhoid would have them killed. They would come home horizontal in a coffin for their king. Where's our zeal for God like this today? I expect many of you will have heard of Canon Andrew White, known as the Vicar of Baghdad. 
Two decades of suffering with MS haven't stopped him being hijacked, kidnapped, locked up in prison rooms. He's been held at gunpoint, physically attacked, and seen many members of his own church family killed. He recently tweeted this. I just got my full neurological medical report last night, and it basically says that my brain is so badly damaged that I'm finished. They were even saying that with this amount of damage, I must have dementia. Every aspect of my brains is so inflamed and scarred. To me, as a medical man, it was quite frightening. But I know that God has not finished with me yet. Yet we worry about traveling across the street to share our faith with a neighbor. Lord, how we need a blessed reunion with Jesus just like Jacob needed a blessed reunion with his son. We need this to inspire us with courage to be game changers in this world, to understand the glory of God's salvation plan, to live lives to the full, to go where God leads us, and to experience peace even in the face of death. How does this vision sound to you? Are you ready tonight to ask for a deep encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ? Are you up for joining in with God's salvation plan? Do you hear this vision? Wherever it may take you, is it for you? Well, perhaps before we answer that question, it would be good to know what we've been called to do. And this is why we need some blessed instruction. This is what Joseph gives to his father and the rest of his family. Before Joseph greets his family, he already has a plan. He just needs his family to follow through on his instructions to them. In verses 31 and 32, Joseph promises to go ahead of his family in order to smooth the way with Pharaoh. Joseph's family now number 70 people in all, and they arrived with many animals too. Pharaoh needs assuring that they're not going to cause trouble in Egypt if they move into the land. Settled people like the Egyptians didn't trust animal herders who roamed from place to place, in a similar way that we might be wary or be scared of travellers today. Difference breeds a sense of hostility. Joseph planned to use this to his family's advantage, to settle them in good grazing land, within reach of Joseph, but slightly away from the maddening crowd. Joseph knows that the region of Goshen would be the perfect place for his family to live. And note how easy it is for Joseph to enter into Pharaoh's presence. Such was the position of prominence he'd rose to in Pharaoh's court. Meeting with Pharaoh was no problem for Joseph at all. So when he chooses five of his brothers to go before Pharaoh and they're asked what is their occupation, in obedience to Joseph's instructions, they reply, your servants are shepherds, just as our fathers were. Had Joseph not gone ahead of his brothers, this could have put Pharaoh in a very tight spot. Pharaoh knows that travelers, that shepherds, are detestable to the Egyptians, but he also wants to honour all that Joseph has done in the land. So Joseph's plan to settle 
his family in Goshen, is a complete win-win. And for us, who have a blessed reunion with God through Jesus Christ, we are involved in a win-win situation. We know that in all things, God works out for good of those who love him, who have been called according to God's purpose, just as that famous verse says in Romans 8. This isn't a passport to no suffering, but it is a guarantee that in whatever God is asking for us, he will remain close to us, give us the strength to face any obstacles that come our way. So are you ready to follow God's instructions, to follow the leading of his Holy Spirit, to be obedient to his call? I want to suggest that this starts with worshipping God in spirit and in truth. This means laying down our own schemes and ambitions in favour of what God would have us do. I find that when I'm ready to surrender to God all that I am, I'm far more open to hearing what he's got to say and God works more powerfully through me. When I first accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, I had a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't that that made the real difference, if I'm honest. The real difference was the pure confusion in my mind, and I wondered, what next? So I asked my mum, who's a faithful Christian, what should I do? It's always good to ask your mum if you can, if you're looking for some advice. She said, Mike, pray, Lord, use me. God always answers that prayer. That's what I prayed, and I meant it with all my heart. And as I prayed that, I just noticed in life certain doors began to open and certain doors began to close. So it will be with you. So in a moment, in the middle of the sermon, I'm going to give us an opportunity to hear what God might be saying to you in the situations you're in right now. Maybe there's a situation in your life or a decision that needs to be made. Perhaps deep down you already know what God is asking you to do, but you just need the courage to step out in faith. Close your eyes for a moment, if you would. Is there a situation or a decision that you need God's input into? I'll pray a prayer for us. I'll lead us through. Lord, you hear all the situations that are going on amongst your people here. Help them to hear your voice. To discern what you would have them do. Would you take these situations... And lead us into obedience of what you would have us do. And give courage where that is needed. Amen. You might want to think through that some more at the end of the service. But perhaps there are a few here who actually feel frustrated right now. You're waiting expectantly to be used by God. But you're just not sure what his instructions are to you. 
in that case, can I suggest that God's instruction to you is probably to remain in this worshipping community right now. Because it's surrounded by people who love you and love Jesus where you'll find out what it is God is calling you to do. People around you who know you and love you, know your gifts, they know your strengths and they're ready to be honest with you. But why all this fuss about listening to God and obeying his instructions, being obedient to his call? Well, we finally, we see God's blessed provision for those who trust in him. In the case of Joseph's family in chapter 47, verse 6, after Joseph's brothers faithfully follow his instructions, Pharaoh says these words to Joseph. Settle your father and your brother in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any amongst them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. The first part of God's blessed provision for Joseph's family is Pharaoh allows them to resettle in the best part of the land. The region of Goshen provided perfect pasture for the animals in Joseph's family. In addition, Goshen was close to the royal palace where Joseph lived, but far enough away from the Egyptians to allow Joseph's family to quietly prosper to grow in number without causing a conflict between them and the Egyptians. In fact, it's here in Goshen that over a period of 400 years now, the Israelites would grow in number until they eventually become too numerous and mighty and they go through the exodus of Moses. Well, the second part of God's blessed provision for Joseph's family is privileged work. Any of Joseph's brothers who have special ability in looking after animals are to be put in charge of Joseph's livestock. Now, for me, this is a bit like the equivalent of Jose Mourinho, the Manchester United manager, asking me to be their chaplain. You can pick your own team and your own role, but you get the general idea. It's privileged work, if you're a Manchester United fan. In essence, it's about being a servant of the king, and that is Jesus, not Jose Mourinho, before anyone asks. So if we relate to this idea of God's blessed provision to our lives today, how might we see it playing out? Well, I want to suggest that being able to settle in the best part of the land in the Old Testament equates to God leading us into the best territory for him in the new And this is our way of contributing to God's plan to save as many souls as we can here on earth. All of us are called, as it it were, like to be mini Esthers. I don't know if you know the book of Esther, but it says, Esther was called for such a time as this. We can be God's people in that place for such a time as this too. When we align ourselves with the leading of God's Holy Spirit, we're more likely to hear what he's asking us to do. And we should expect our intuitions and the doors to open and God's purposes to align and be together. We need to listen to God's call and be obedient, not plow on in our own purposes. Then we will know this privilege of being involved with God's 
privileged work. This is the minute-by-minute conviction of knowing that whatever the circumstances around us, we have the privilege of serving Jesus as King. This on the screens in a moment is how one American sportscaster called Ernie Johnson, who works for a big TV station, he's the studio host of TNT's coverage of the National Basketball Association. This is how he interpreted the idea shortly after Donald Trump's victory. Let's watch this now. Awesome. My point is obviously not political. It's not a big hurrah, whoopee, America. My point relates to the big R that Ernie talked about. My point is that Ernie knew the privilege of the higher work that God had given him. He understood the privilege of serving King Jesus in the place he was in so that others might be blessed through the message that he had to share. You see, when we're operating in this territory, we know God has called us into it. When we reach out for him, trusting, obedient, confident of his spirit with us. Will we recognize the privilege tomorrow of whatever we do serving King Jesus in the place we're in? Will we be bold? Will we speak up for him? As I draw to a conclusion of my sermon, I just want to remind her of the gospel which gives us the confidence to do things like that. Joseph's brothers did nothing to deserve the blessed provision that they received from Pharaoh. Every blessing they received came as a result of their association with their brother Joseph. Joseph was beaten by his brothers. Joseph's brothers left him for dead and they sold him into slavery. Joseph went ahead of them in the purposes of God to prepare a way so that his brothers might live. And it's only through the brothers' reconciliation with Joseph that the blessings that follow can come true. And just as Joseph serves as a type of Christ, we must see our own salvation story as mapping on to that of the brothers. We are like Joseph's brothers here. We cannot say that we deserve our salvation. Left in our own sinfulness, we are enemies of God. That's what the Bible tells us. But the good news of the gospel is that each of us has been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. And God pours blessing upon blessing on top of that restored relationship with him. Jesus defeated death going ahead of us on the cross in order that we might live. And when the force of this truth hits us home for real, it gives us every confidence to step out in faith for him to go anywhere for God, whatever the call, whatever the cost. Let's close our eyes and 
Just think about that for a moment. The band are going to come and lead us and then we'll move into communion.